Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We are going to be finishing up the book of Joshua today. We're kind of combining uh, a couple of podcasts. Uh, We'll be starting uh, in chapter 21, verse 1, and we'll be going down through chapter 24, down to verse 33, which um, completes the book of Joshua. And in many ways, this is sort of a final um, ending to all of the scripture up until this point. It's kind of a final uh, finalization of God's promise, you know. You know, Joshua helps bring the people uh, across the Jordan. He helps, um, you know, conquest, the conquest in in many of these cities that God had delivered, uh, the, the cities that when there was a lack of faith, they failed, but when they were able to uh, be faithful. God gave them victory. And um, so in chapter 21, um, we see that the land now um, is being uh, allotted to the people and, uh, you know, by tribe. And so it's, McGee says it's kind of a, a boring chapter because it's just naming, you know, different tribes, getting different plots of land. But it goes to show that God is so sovereign, so in control, even of the little details in our own lives. There's no detail that God doesn't involve himself in. And even today, we need to understand this and Take comfort in the fact that God is a God of every detail in our lives. There's no little thing that we are um, um, outside of uh, His purview. Even like where you live, the the allotment of the land, what He has given you. You may think it's not great. You may think it's great, whatever. But God has given these people... Um, his provision, and he gives us our provisions of things today as well. Chapter 21, verse 1, Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came to Eleazar the, the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And they said to him at Shiloh in the land of Cana, The Lord commanded through Moses that we be given cities to dwell in 
along with their pasture lands for our livestock. So these remember the Levites didn't get land allotments and they were going to get cities of refuge to dwell in. And so they were making allotments for for the for the Levites and then they were making also allotments for the different tribes in uh, chapter 21. And as we drop down to verse 44 in chapter 21, and the Lord gave them rest on every side. In other words, he's giving the nation rest now, the rest of of the redemption of God, the, the rest that comes into uh, um, being right with God. Rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers, not one of all their enemies had withstood them for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. So in other words, all these promises had been fulfilled. The Lord gave them the land. The Lord gave them victory. The Lord gave them places to live. Chapter 22 at that time, Joshua summoned the Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Remember, these were the tribes that didn't want to cross the Jordan. But God asked them to come across the Jordan anyway to help fight the battles. And then they could go back to the eastern side of Jordan to the land that they wanted to claim. So now Joshua's calling them and he said, You've kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. And have obeyed my voice and all that I have commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days down to this day, but have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. Okay? So, and then it says in verse 4, Now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Therefore, turn and go to your tents in the land where you your possession lies. Verse 5, Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law of Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their tents. Okay, so now he's let these tribes, the Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, go home. So they're going to cross back over the Jordan River back on the east side. Verse 10, And when they came to the region of the Jordan, that is the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size. Verse 12, And when the people... Excuse me. And then the end of chapter 11, On the side that belongs to the people of Israel. In other words, they built this massive altar on the western side of the Jordan, on the side of the Jordan that belonged to the people of Israel before they're getting ready to cross back over. Verse 12, And when the people of Israel heard it, heard of it, the whole assembly of the people of Israel gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. Okay, they're saying like, why are you building this incredibly huge, big altar here? What are you doing? This is not something that, you know, we've condoned. Okay, and verse 16, thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, what is this breach of faith that you've committed against the God of Israel in turning 
away this day from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar this day in rebellion against the Lord? Have we not had enough of sin at Peor from which even yet we've not cleansed ourselves and for which there came a plague upon the congregation of the Lord? Okay, like what are you doing building this unauthorized, big, fat, super altar here? Verse 21, And then the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of tribe of Manasseh said in the in answer to the heads of the families of Israel, the mighty one, God the Lord, the mighty one, God the Lord, he knows and let Israel know, itself know. If it was in rebellion or in breach of faith against the Lord, do not spare us today. For building an altar to turn away from following the Lord, or if we did so to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings or a peat offerings, peace offerings on it, may the Lord himself take vengeance. No, but we did it from fear that in time to come, your children might say to our children, what have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? Okay, so they're sort of saying, it's not a bad altar. It's an altar that we're building to remind people that we're all one people, to remind people to keep their eyes on God. Now dropping down to verse 31, And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, said to the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the people of Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is in our midst, because you've not committed this breach of faith against the Lord. Now you've delivered the people of Israel from the hand of the Lord. Verse 34, The people of Reuben, the people of Gad, called the altar witness, for they said, It is a witness between us and the and the Lord, that the Lord is God. Okay? So it's a symbolic altar. Now you can look at this as sort of a witness symbol. McGee had a slightly different version of this or take on this. He's saying it was kind of like a division of the people. You know, they were sort of one, you know, group were saying, look, it's a symbolic altar. We don't mean to, to offer anything on it. And that's okay. And the other people were saying, why are you building an altar not to do anything about it? You know, so it's like McGee says, the big warning here, or at least that one, one with, that he was seeing is, don't have a fake altar. Don't build something beautiful for the sake of the beauty, for the sake of what it is, if you're not going to use it for God's purposes and God's plan. So there's a danger a danger just of building big fat symbols. And maybe, you know, as McGee says, it could be like a foreshadowing of the symbolic worship that would plague the nation for generations to come. So now we come to chapter 23. So now Joshua is, the land's been divvied up. Now he's going to turn to the leaders because he's getting ready to try to pass the torch. So verse 23 verse chapter 23 verse 1, a long time afterward when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, Joshua was, was old and well advanced in years, and Joshua summoned all Israel and its elders and heads, its judges and officers and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain. 
along with all the nations that I've already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. And we'll have another warning here. Like he's saying to them, look, I'm old. I'm well advanced in years. I've done, I've given you the allotment. You need to be very strong. And you need to hold on to the teachings. And he says, he charges them here. Be very, verse 11, be very careful. Therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. I think he's speaking to us today. Don't cling to all these pagan nations around you. The the nation Israel, as we've said before, was given about 300,000 acres to possess. And they only, at this time, had only taken possession of about 30,000. Only about 10%. And we today, Christians today, have been given... So many spiritual blessings to possess. And we've not even claimed the spiritual blessings that God has given us. Haven't even started. Even though He's already given it to us, we have to get up with faith and possess it. To serve the Lord, to love the Lord, to cling to the Lord as we possess This is Joshua's deathbed speech. He's been leading the people for 40 years. And now he says, if you don't cling to God, God won't fight for you. And he won't drive out these other nations around you. Same thing today. Seems like we're in a culture of sin. We need to hold on. Cling to the Lord. Don't cling to this culture sin, the sin culture. The atheistic culture, the Antichrist culture. Chapter 24. This is the last chapter in the book of Joshua. What is he? He's on his deathbed speech now. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to uh, Shaim and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor. They served other gods. Okay? The father of Abraham served other gods. So, he has called his people to be different. And he goes through being taken to Egypt and then being delivered from Egypt by Moses and then driving out the people once crossing the Jordan after the people 
a generation died in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. So he gives them a history lesson. Verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. You either got to serve God or serve man. You either got to serve God or serve the sin culture, the atheist culture. The Antichrist culture. Choose whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Isn't that a quotable quote from Joshua? So many good quotes. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. He's saying, look, you do what you think you're going to do, but my house serves the Lord. Verse 16, when the people, then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord, our God, who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went among the peoples through whom we passed. Dropping down to verse 20. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Look how many times the word serve is used in this section. My study Bible says it's like 16 times. And it just underscores the importance at this point. What are we what are we to do? What are what is a nation Israel supposed to do? It's to serve to serve God. Christ came to serve. Christ didn't come to do something he didn't to tell us to do something He's not already prepared to do. He is fulfilling this this commitment to serve. And He's showing how to serve. It's easy for people to say, sure, I'll serve. It's hollow with hollow hearts. you got to serve with all your heart, all your might, all your soul. Verse 25, so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth, and that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. He wrote this covenant to serve in stone by in the book of the law of Moses. So all the people would see it. You've got to serve the Lord, not yourself. You've got to serve. That's our commitment. That's our charge. Don't serve the foreign gods. Serve this God. Verse 29, after these things, now here we are. That We're at the, at the epilogue here of the book of Joshua. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant 
of the Lord died. They call him a servant of the Lord just like they called Moses a servant of the Lord. Just as Christ was the servant of the Lord. Being 110 years old, they and they buried him in his own inheritance at Timoth Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. It's interesting that the place where Joshua is buried was his inheritance, but he picked last. Remember, we said it before. He they didn't. He picked last, just like Abraham picked last versus Lot. And the people will, were all happy to give him land that wasn't as good as what they took. Very interesting little side note, but it shows the character and the humility of Joshua. So they bury Joshua. Verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. So now we're having an epilogue on the nation. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. Okay, so Israel follows through during these days of the elders, but they're going to pass away, and then what's going to happen? Okay, my study Bible says it's kind of a passing of an error. When all of the elders in Joshua's time, then they die too, Now what's going to happen? Are the people really going to remember this covenant? Verse 32, as for the bones of Joseph, it's like, meanwhile, remember Joseph wanted his bones to be buried in the promised land? <clears throat> so they had brought with the, them the people, the, of course, the book of the law of Moses, and they bought the bones of Joseph out of Egypt. So as of the bones of Joseph, with the, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought for the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It came an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. So they, bar, they buried Joseph on the land that Jacob had bought originally. They brought him home. Verse 33, And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gilbeth, the town of Phinehas his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. Okay? So Eleazar, the son of Aaron, which is Moses' brother, sort of the, the, the chief priest up until this time, he dies. Joseph's, Joseph's bones are brought home. Joshua dies and is buried. He makes a final covenant and puts it on a, a big rock for the people to see and adds this covenant to the book of the law of Moses. He dies. Israel serves the Lord all the days of Joshua and the days of his elders. But now that comes to a close. And now... As my study Bible says, it's kind of like the end of an era. What's going to happen? Will the people continue to obey this covenant with all their hearts? So we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest. Well, we will now, we'll 
as always, we take a break for the weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday as we continue our study through, I believe we're going to start the book of Judges on Monday. So, I'll see you back tomorrow, which is Monday. God bless you all. We're still praying for sweet Emma, and uh, we'll see you here next time. Keep your hearts, as always, centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And remember, the great enemy that you face is yourself. God bless you all.